Bacteria that enters the bloodstream and travels to the brain and spinal cord can cause acute bacterial meningitis. While most people recover from bacterial meningitis, death can occur in just a few hours, if not treated immediately. Meningitis is how Rainbow Kitten Surprise got their name. The North Carolina imports were visiting a friend in the hospital after an operation to alleviate the effects of the illness prior to playing an open mic gig later that night. The band, without a name, turned to their post-op compadre, who was still very much in a haze. The friend landed on Rainbow Kitten Surprise, and just like that, an indie darling was born. RKS, the first full-length release from the band, remains a time capsule of a simpler era. Laced with vague metaphors and grandiose themes, it is an album destined for road trip playlists and cozy dorm room listening until the end of time. And for that, RKS remains an art school album. I know you're tired, black lights and leather tights, your black eyes on the road, on a drunken summer night, but I got you. Today's episode is going to be a doozy. When you look up the word doozy at the Webster's Dictionary, you're going to see a picture of me on this Zoom call with my guest today, Alina Dumbald. Alina, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Oh God, I'm doing, I'm doing so great. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm giving you what I assume is your first experience on a podcast. I believe you once told me, and I could be wrong, that you've never listened to a podcast before. Not once. Can't do it. Every time they come on, I just zone out. So. Insanity, first of all. Like I don't, (laughs) I guess I just don't understand what I, and not like, it's not like, oh, you should listen to my show. No, you trust me, you shouldn't listen to my show. But <laughs> just in general, like the conversational aspect of it does nothing for you. No, nope. it's just, I find it, I find it so boring. It's, I will be intrigued. I love me a good murder mystery on a good long car ride, but I think that that's about it. And even 10 minutes in, I just don't really care about what they're saying anymore. And it just feels like a monotonous drone, no matter what it is. It well, has a transcript, though. That's a different different story. I like me a little podcast transcript. I'm just not listening to the thing instead. You're just, like, reading. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the good news is you might not like podcasts, but I, I have a good feeling that you're going to be a good podcast guest today. We're talking about Rainbow Kid and Surprise, the album RKS. But, Alina, let's slow down before we get to that. We have to talk about us because I have known you for too long now uh you're in the the select history of art school albums guest that new high school case a very mm-hmm. uh, dangerous individual just terrifying uh, marie Jurassic, vaughn rumps joe bergen now alina dumbald added to the illustrious group i was trying to think of the first time we met and i could not think of it do you remember just how far back we go I know, I think it was my senior year of high school, your junior year, and we met in the film club. You came into Mr. Follis's room, guns blazing, you're very sweaty, and I don't remember, I couldn't read your handwriting. I was a producer in that film club, and you wrote your name down and what you wanted to do, and I couldn't read it, so I had to like text you or something, and then it's all downhill from there. It was a steady decline. Uh, first time Mr. Files has been mentioned on the show. Last time Mr. Files will be mentioned <laughs> on this show. It's just PTSD all over again. But 
uh, Alina, we've, yeah, I think you're correct. Your senior year, my junior year, you have a very unique perspective on my life because you are one of the only people in this world that has experienced being in a car with me while I am in the driver's seat and you are in the passenger seat. Most of my friendships, maybe even some relationships have been defined by this idea that, hey, this person will drive me wherever I need to go. But the roles were reversed with our friendship and I spent a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of great memories driving you around the great state of Indiana. Can you describe your POV of what it's like being in the car with me? As a friend, you are undoubtedly the safest driver. So I've always felt comfortable in, in your driving capabilities. And God, it is a trip. You will not let anyone touch the ox ever. That is just, you get in and you just plug it in and that's, that's your music, that's your zone. And I respect that because we, we listen to the same music. Um, but you have, you, <laughs> it's fun. It's you had, I was like your practice run of like where to put your hand on like a female passenger. Like, do I put it here? Do I put it here? I'm like, just around the knee area is fine. So <laughs> honored to be in that role, if not slightly uncomfortable, um, <laughs> but all around great. It's, it's a good time to be in the car with you. And I owe you many trips and from driving me because I didn't get my license until 20, I think 19 or 20. So thank you. <laughs> My pleasure. Uh, completely forgot about essentially using you as a crash test dummy. Yeah. And just, and just, and just numerous ways. Yeah. I just, uh, you know, thank you again <laughs> for obviously it's paid off. I'm doing so well here. <laughs> so thank you. Thank so you for welcome. all of that. <laughs> I, you mentioned that I control the ox. I don't, I don't know if that's entirely true, but I know that you know, we're in the same car when I'm like 17 and 18 going through it. Do you remember some of the sounds, some of the artists that you would hear, perhaps uh, ones that you enjoyed, perhaps ones that stressed you out all with the accompaniment of us driving through Indiana behind it? There was a lot of modern baseball, RIP. Um, I wish we would have had some slaughtered what is it, Slaughter Beach Dog? Slaughter Beach Dog. Yep, I always say Slaughterhouse, and I know it's not Slaughterhouse. Um, a lot of Tiger's Job, but that was mostly because we thought my impression of one of their songs was funny. Um, <laughs> I still do that well. Uh, Joyce Manor, for sure. Um, you got into some, I don't think you were in your what is it touche amore I don't think you were uh, touche amore yeah I I think I was probably like right around the time you were graduating high school I was probably like you know you know what this album stage four it hits different <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think we experienced that together um no because I think to to properly timeline it it was less uh things drifting into the hardcore space and more things in the folk punk space and mm -hmm. And I do apologize for that. Pat the Bunny, <laughs> Ramshackle Glory, <laughs> uh, AJJ, Defiance Ohio, all these bands yes. that I just, I, I am sorry I made you listen to Still so much of. Still love Defiance Ohio, so. 
Sometimes I was, and, okay. and I was I was on this show someone recently talking with Maxwell Stern who put out a, a great album called Impossible Sum a few months ago and we at the end of the show were like you know who's good Defiance Ohio <laughs> <laughs> like subjectively these, these guys just <laughs> kicked ass uh, and it was I, they are certainly the high point uh, every once in a while you know I'll catch myself listening to some older AJJ and it doesn't resonate with me as it once did but I also That's listen good. to it and I'm like yeah I'm like I see why this was so impactful luckily not so much anymore <laughs> like we've evolved <laughs> we've evolved as a person and it's actually very healthy to no longer I guess be deeply obsessed with this band although I did see them when I first moved to Chicago and it was a very fun experience so yeah, that is that is us driving in a car together. Again, you're really one of the only people that has had that experience. And again, uh, safe driver, I think is a, a good way of putting it. Although when you started talking, I did remember like the two week period where I just didn't have a side mirror on my car. Do you yeah, remember that? Yeah, not at all. Yes, not at all. Alina, we worked on two movies together, which is weird to say. Uh, one very stressful student film which I guess is how we met that's weird to think that that's the foundation of our relationship is this mm -hmm. student movie uh and then we worked on a movie called The Storyteller which is available on Amazon Prime I weirdly look back at that as like a really formative time of just how to act around other adults I I don't I don't necessarily know if I have a question other than like five years later how do you feel about working on a movie called The Storyteller I saw it at Sundance and uh, I got to go to Arizona, which was great because I hadn't been there before. And I think it was fun to see the credits roll and find our names on there. But God, as a movie, that is was just such a trip. Like, it's not a great soundtrack. Um, but Great soundtrack. Great soundtrack. Um, I don't have many thoughts. A great formative experience, like you said. I really saw you thrive in that role, um, actually. And big how big you, summer for me. <laughs> it was a big summer for you. Um, and it was really cool to do that with you. Um, and Faith Lingle also. Forgot shout about out that. Faith Lingle. Shout out <laughs> Leah Snyderman, who I, you know, I've been, oh. for like a year now, I've been like, you know who would be fun to have on this show? Leah Snyderman. You know who I'm afraid to text to ask her to come on this show? Leah Snyderman. I feel like she'd be thrilled and I have absolutely no idea what that niche of hers that she, she would bring to this, but I would watch it in an instant. I think I think I would have her. I think she's a big fan of the Shins because uh, she was, what's the net, uh, Garden State, which I've never seen Garden State despite being told that I would really like it. So if she would come on the podcast, I would watch Garden State. I would take one for the team, <laughs> watch a movie with Natalie Portman in it. Oh my God, the struggle of it all. But I think that would be very interesting. But yeah, the storyteller, we worked on that. We worked on a movie. I have since watched the movie and I still don't know what the movie is about. No, don't get it. Read the read snippets of the script, was there every day watching it being made. Don't don't rehearsed with don't. an actress once in my case, like red lines with somebody. It was this still is like, true. yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know, but that's okay. Uh, that was sort of our last Indiana experience before you moved out to Colorado, where you are now. I miss you, but you are not in Indiana, which is a plus. I'm curious since moving out to Colorado, you've been there what five years now? Yeah, in August, it'll be five years. So 
uh, taking the Indiana sounds of basically whatever was going on in my Volvo to moving out to the wild, wild west of Colorado, has the music you like, the music you consume, has that shifted at all, either just because of you growing up or your geographic changes? Kind of how has your high school you transitioned into college and young adult you in terms of what music you're listening to? Yeah, um, I think I've always felt very steady in my music choices. Um, my dad has always been like, there's one thing, like if anyone ever says anything bad about you, like, you know that you can fall back on like, like you have great music taste. I was like, yes, I do know this. So that, <laughs> I felt very steady in that. I think the only thing, I went to a lot of concerts in high school in Indiana, but in Colorado, they're just more accessible. Like you could just go walk up to um it's called the hill and like see a show at the fox theater which was a cool experience and they're cheap like they're not you know white river state park tickets or anything like that um but i don't think my music has so much shifted in terms of like i still listen to the same pockets of genres pretty regularly um i think the only thing is that i'm just more comfortable and just playing whatever i want like i don't want to have the ox at a party but if like you're gonna get in my car we're just gonna listen to my music and um yeah i don't think it's shifted so much as just grown uh, i think the last time i looked at my spotify i have like twenty thousand something songs which is too many and i don't know all of them and i need to delete some of them but it's just grown rather than shifted which is kind of cool that was such a mature answer for such a dumb question. Uh, bravo to you. Thank I you so obviously, and this this will not surprise you. Uh, I do not get handed the ox at parties. There is no, nothing. Really? There's nothing on any of my playlists <laughs> that is uh, what people would define as party people music. Uh, it's not necessarily where I thrive. But the artist we're talking about today, Rainbow Kid and Surprise. If you go to the Spotify on playlists that they've been discovered on. It's playlists such as Totally Stress-Free, Boho and Chill, and Morning Commute. Alina, I'm curious, are there any embarrassing Spotify playlists that you have, perhaps with a ridiculous title or an immature theme to them that you feel like revealing to the world right now? I honestly, I'm very proud of, usually I make playlists. I have a few for myself, but that's a love language of mine. It's like, I'm going to make you a playlist. So a lot of them are for people or like one of my best friends page cannot find music. So it's more, I make them for her. And I'm like, these are good. <laughs> Just slide it over the table. Um, I think the stupidest one that I have is probably called When We Rip It. Um, ironically not about smoking or anything it's that's just what I decided on uh I think that's the only dumb one I also love me some lo-fi chill beats to study to but I didn't make that one that's just a great fallback <laughs> glad you mentioned lo-fi for just one second I did an episode a few weeks ago with my friend Alyssa Schuster who you would really like if you met her and Alyssa comes at just pop culture from a very different perspective than I do. She's really into Bruno Mars. Her favorite Ooh. show is New Girl. Like that's the that's ball. A good show. It is a good show. <laughs> that's the that's the ballpark she's operating in. I'm coming at it, you know, with my fiddlehead sweatshirt on yes. a little bit of a different perspective. So we <laughs> sat down and did an episode where I built her a playlist of male manipulator music, which is a specialty of mine. And mm. on that playlist included uh, some songs by the band Teen Suicide, which... I remember them. 
blew her mind as to like, there's a band called this that sounds like this, that acts like this, uh, pretty incredible stuff. And they found uh, its way onto my male manipulator music playlist. Uh, you mentioned lo-fi beats to study to, which, you know, not not for me, but I'm glad that, that somebody has found solace in it. Uh, so thank you for talking about your Spotify playlist. I'm curious, as we talk about the artists we're here to talk about today, Rainbow Kid and Surprise, do you remember what your introduction to them was? Do you remember the first time you heard them? I know it was in high school and I can't remember if it was Amina or me that found them, but um, one of the two of us, and we were just like, oh my God, like this band is whack, but some of their songs are so good. Um, and obviously you, Amina and I were kind of this very odd, odd threesome of people that just came together. Just this mentally ill packed of <laughs> dummies. Couldn't get any worse. <laughs> oh, um, and then I, I remember playing them for you and we would sit in that, I can't remember, stupid name, those glass rooms that we would sit in and not go to the cafeteria. Yes, the fancy, uh, I think fish they were bowls. called- Was it a fish, the bowl? fish Yes, the fish yes. bowls in our high school, which was just like a room with windows. It's just yeah. a novel concept to have a room in a high school with <laughs> and windows. And they move. <laughs> And like everything was a whiteboard in case you wanted to like build like a, the new iPhone, I guess. Chairs. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. And I remember we were sitting in there and I, we would probably not do homework, but we would at least have our computers out. And I think I remember that was what we played frequently when we were in that room together. So it started in high school. That's a very interesting way of looking at it. Cause I guess I don't, I think a lot about people that I went to high school with, I don't think about high school as a whole, because why would I, uh, it, it was just a, just a miserable four years, and I now, I think, have a really great appreciation for the idea of, like, you, me, and Amina just walking through this, what I'll call a suburbia hellhole of different factors of people that I don't like all mm -hmm. mixing together in one school. And then again, one big melting pot. these three just mentally ill freaks <laughs> just coming in, eating <laughs> uncrustable peanut butter and jellies at 1030 in the morning and just doing our damn thing. That was the high school experience, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that was the best. That was the best part of it. Undeniably, I don't know how I went three years without it. So that is, I guess, your introduction to the band. As for myself, yes, they were a band that you showed me. I had no knowledge of them prior to you introducing them to me. And as I was telling you before we started recording, I feel like this is a band that I really haven't thought of since probably you graduated high school, which means it's been, you know, five or six years since they've been on my radar. But I was delighted as I sat down and listened to this album that we're going to break down in just a minute. I knew all of these songs, like they all just came rushing back to me. Uh, and, you know, typically me driving you with like a blinding sunset on 116th Street, like, oh, like, I'm not going to wear sunglasses, <laughs> but I really can't see like that's what never did. <laughs> I, sunglasses do not look right on me. And I this is a stupid opinion. But when I wear sunglasses, I feel like an asshole. I feel like that's been how you felt for a very long time. And I Think you need to get over that. 
I, uh, my parents made me buy a pair of sunglasses a few summers ago, which is a weird conversation to have with your 19 year old son at the time of like, you have to buy a pair of sunglasses. <laughs> I don't care what they are, but you are not leaving this store until you buy a pair of sunglasses. And I wore them a few times and they're fine, but it's, it's not, it's not a material or I guess an item or an accessory that I personally would like to wear. But as it comes to the band Rainbow Kid and Surprise, again, very much takes me back to high school. As for the band themselves, Alina, they were founded in 2013 in North Carolina. They first broke out in any sort of prominent way by competing in the VH1 reality show contest, Make a Band Famous. Not a very original title, but that was the state of VH1 in 2014. <laughs> It was hosted by a man named Tyson Ritter of the All-American Rejects. Do you have any opinions on the All-American Rejects? No, no opinions, actually. Very Fine. good. Very good. I, I will say the first All-American Rejects album, pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. I'm just saying it might <laughs> slap. I'm just saying there's a possibility the first <laughs> All-American Rejects album slaps. You can be the judge. I just wanted to throw that out there that essentially all of these bands submitted their music Rainbow Can Surprise submitted their first single, Devil Like Me. They were invited to New York with 24 bands. They were eliminated in the first round of the Make a Band Famous contest, but it still led them to producing this album, RKS. And ever since then, we'll kind of pinpoint what their fan base is in just a second. But before we talk about what the fan base is, we do have to talk about the elephant in the room, which is really rather the kitten in the room the name of this band, Rainbow Kid and Surprise, it is, for my money, the worst band name I have ever heard. <laughs> it's embarrassing when someone asks you what your favorite band is and you have to mumble Rainbow Kid and Surprise. And then it's just not great. It doesn't seem idealistic. Uh, are you familiar with how the band got this name? I'm not. Well, let I'm me, ready to hear it. Alina, let me inform you uh, to let you know that basically they were about to play an open mic, one of their first shows as a band, and they were visiting one of their friends in the hospital who had almost died of bacterial meningitis. Are you familiar with the concept of bacterial meningitis? I am very much so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what it means. It sounds awful. Uh, so <laughs> Bad thing. <laughs> but they were visiting their very sick friend who was recovering. They're like, hey, we're playing a show tonight. We need a name. And I don't know if this dude was high on pain pills or if he was just in a hospital. I don't know what his deal was, but he said, Rainbow Kid Surprise. And they're like, are you sure that's what our name should be? And he's <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that's the one. And ever since then, they have stuck with this name for better or worse. That is the name of this band. And it has, I think attracted a really interesting group of people because I don't exactly know who listens to this band. I know you saw them live. Can you tell me about that experience? Um, so even from that experience, just for one, I still don't know who their fan base is. I don't get it. Um, I like to not associate myself with a fan base and just say that I really like the band. That's kind of an easier way to go about it. But yeah, I saw them live my sophomore year of college. Um, Tickets were $5 on campus at our UMC ballroom. And that venue was such trash, uh, but you can't, like it was $5. Yeah, it can't um, be that. Exactly. 
So I really wanted to go. I asked my boyfriend at the time if he would come with me. And he was like, yeah, sure, you like them. And I somehow in the course of a year and a half that I had been out there, I found like my best friends in college and they were all, I don't even know what you call them, base base heads, EDM, whatever. Some uh, like super rave, into like- Rave people? Yes, like hardcore. And these are my friends to this day. Um, and it is just never something that I have understood. I love and support, but I don't get it. Um, so I took them to a Rainbow Kitten Surprise concert for $5. Um, and I was having the time of my life, just dead sober, so happy to be there. And <laughs> I remember looking to my left and all of my friends are just standing there like this. And they're like, why is everybody clapping? Like they didn't understand like clapping versus like head banging and did not understand that. Um, so at some point during the show, I think they left and it was just me and uh, my best friend Grace and my boyfriend at the time. And we eventually migrated into the middle, but great show, phenomenal, um, crappy venue, not the right friends to bring to an indie concert, but fantastic experience. A few things I want to touch on there. First, the EDM friend group. I was thinking just a few days ago, like my personality when it comes to music, abysmal. The bands I like, awful. The people that it attracts, terrible. But I'll take that any day of the week over, like I used to work with a girl who was really into the rave scene. And I just remember thinking like, I... Like, I can't talk to you about music. It almost makes me uncomfortable just thinking that this is what you like compared to anything else. Joe Bergen was on the show talking about Daft Punk, R.I.P. And, you know, I tried really hard that week to get into electronic music and just, you know, feel the vibe. No vibes were felt. I don't understand nope. it. Nope. Do, don't get it. Um, I just, yeah. And that's that's all that you can say about it is that just... You either get it or you don't. And I fall so hard to the other end of the spectrum where I don't get it. I don't get it either. I do feel like I get Rainbow Kitten Surprise to some extent. Now, I will likely from here on out be giving them a lot of backhanded compliments with the first being that analyzing this album this week, again, an album that I hadn't heard in a long time at this point, but one that as soon as like from track one on, I was like, oh, I know this song. I know this song. Oh, I kind of like this one. It was... It was weird to be back in that mindset for a band that, if you uh, listen to interviews with them, they're very much not about being defined by a genre. They want to do their own thing. I think they kind of like fall into a bit of like a hippie crowd because they play Bonnaroo all the time. And there's like a jam band element to them, but then also like cute girls like them. So I don't know how those two things intersect. They're just a very weird band who I have come to the conclusion, my ultimate opinion on them is that, and this will sound like an insult, but it's not. <laughs> Rainbow Ken Surprise is like the best bar band ever. I don't know if I would want to pay to go see them, but if I showed up to a place and they were playing, I'd be like, holy shit, these guys are awesome. This is so great. I just don't know if I necessarily want to make that investment for anything more than $5 because I would absolutely go see them if they were playing down the street for $5. But with that in mind, 
let us get into the album. It is Rainbow Kitten Surprises, RKS. It was released on April 25th of 2015. Alina, do you even dare go back into the recesses of your brain to try and think of what you were doing in April of 2015? Oh, um, my brain definitely stops at like January of 2016, but um, definitely mentally ill um just trying my best to get by um and that's probably all I can give you is that yeah you're probably just like all right another day all right cool like we're we're kind of getting through it I am in a very similar boat of just like all right well like you know I'm not totally sold on this life thing at this point like it seems like other people are like doing it better than me I don't know I but this is not that is not ideal right now it's like I thought this could be better I don't know luckily I think it turned out better for the both of us as time has gone on this album is 11 songs in 40 minutes and it begins with the song run which is a song that I would characterize as one that is groovy and I typically tend to abstain from anything that I would describe as groovy but I think this is a strong way to open up the album. I think this is a good representation of how this band sounds specifically on this record. I would agree. I think as their albums have gone on, they've gotten more comfortable uh, just not giving a shit about like what it sounds like to me is placing where their where their psalms would go you've got one like very calm tranquil psalm and uh their most recent album is a better example of just like kind of a cacophony um but i i do i do agree i think run is just a good opener um that gives you a little bit but not everything about maybe what they can do since you mentioned it i do want to i guess fast forward in time for just a second to 2018 and talk about the album that came after this how to friend love freefall which is a very complicated album title with a very i guess galaxy-esque album cover i remember that album coming out and listening to probably the first two songs and then going okay not for me anymore uh this is this is different this is not the sound on rks this is something else and more power to them but I am good at this point. I think I'm done. Because I, I feel like they changed their sound so drastically on that record. How do you feel about their work that came after this? I think um, a lot of it, to my knowledge, has to do with like the personal identities of the band members. Um, so like, for example, the lead singer, the song called Hide is about coming out as gay. Um, so I think that the album title functions as like it's kind of like a double entendre of like both life and music for them which I think is really kind of brilliant and very special and obviously there comes musical change with self-change so I'm sure that they were trying to fit that in in some way and I know that one of their bandmates is also non-binary and I'm not sure when if that all came about at the same time that this album did but I know that there was a lot of self-growth as that album came out and what it meant to them personally so I enjoy it um, and I have to, it's not separating the art from the artist because we can't do that. We don't do that, um, but <laughs> but I do. Speak, speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, 
course you don't. <laughs> I'll I remember do. once while like send me an artist article where she's like, did you see what Morrissey said? It's like, yes, trust me. I, I saw it before you. <laughs> I, I don't know what to do about it. When, when the chorus of first oh. of the gang to die comes on, I'm not like, uh, his views views on Brexit suck. I'm like, no, this is like one of the best songs of all time. <laughs> I, I can make that separation without a problem. But what were you saying before I cut you off? I think it's just, it's the growth of the person and the band together, so. Very well put. I think that actually kind of helped me contextualize that album in terms of, again, it was such a drastic change for me. Track two on this album though, RKS, it is Counting Cards. It is a song about gambling. When I think of gambling, I think of sports. And when I think of sports, I think of you. Alina, how are your Denver Nuggets doing? Oh, um, my boyfriend watches basketball. So I, <laughs> they won their last game. I'm pretty sure. Um, love me some Jokic. Um, that guy, let me tell you. My Serb, my Serb heritage. <laughs> um, recently learned about i don't know jamal um jamal murray that scandal and it shocked me that it doesn't shock me because he's a man but um hate him a little more <laughs> the beautiful thing is i don't know what this jamal murray scandal is and i feel like i follow the nba pretty closely <laughs> i can tell you but but, but he's like he's a man done. so i'm not surprised uh, the Denver Nuggets, not only Jokic playing to your Serbian heritage, Gary Harris, former member of our high school. This is true. Not much talk about him ever, honestly. He's just kind of there. Every every like few months, it's like, hey, you see Gary Harris a few nights ago? Had a big game. Let's hope for more of this. And then it's like, oh, no, it's not. It's not more of that. <laughs> um, I, I only ask because during the NBA playoffs this past year when they were in the bubble, Alina started texting me takes on Michael Porter Jr. out of nowhere. <laughs> I was like, this is the best thing I've ever experienced. Yeah. Alina, uh, to my knowledge, had never seen organized sport before she started watching the 2020 NBA playoffs. <laughs> and now she's got all these Michael Porter Jr. takes. It's the best thing ever. Short-lived, but I enjoyed it <laughs> when we were there in that phase. <laughs> Counting cards, your thoughts on this song? Um, I did not know. So... <laughs> To preface this, I can listen, I because I've listened to them since high school, I will turn on this album or their other album, or maybe it's an EP, and I can just kind of sing along to it. Like, I know all the words, but rarely do I ever process what they're saying in their songs. It's just kind of, it's gotten better. But when I first, and I just kind of memorized what they sounded like, I was like, God, this is good. And I don't really need to know what they're talking about. So I didn't know that this was about gambling. Um, no, the song's goes, called Counting Cards. I just thought I would take a, a stab in the dark and say that it's probably related to gambling. Probably. <laughs> but is it? <laughs> Never mind. Um... <laughs> I would love for you to finish that thought. <laughs> We're going to move on from that. Um, it's. I just think that with that being said, I think what they, what they do with their sound and their, and like their harmonies I really enjoy their harmonies. That's something that I found that sometimes you see a band live and their harmonies will go, something will happen where it's just like, oh, this, you're not very, you're not as good as you, you sound on. Oh, oh no. <laughs> exactly. Um, and that was one thing that I feel like that they do well in this song, the album, but then also live. So that's something, I think they played this when I saw them. And um, 
you know, the crowd, it's just the regular indie crowd. You got a lot of cardigans, but um, it's, they're just, they're good, like in the song, also in the album and just live. So I appreciate that. What follows is a track called Wasted. And Alina, I want to let you in on a little secret. This is my favorite song of the album. I, listening I remember through this. this. I just, this is a good, good song. Now, obviously in the chorus, uh, the, the man is repeating the line, drink up, you're wasted. I, of course, throw up the X's. Uh, I, I want your songs on, uh, thoughts on this song. But first, Alina, what are your thoughts on straight edge culture? Utterly fascinating, to be honest. Um, fully understand it. I, well, no, not fully. I under, I don't know if I sympathize or I empathize with it, but it's one of the two. <laughs> both um, are both are very fair emotions. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I just think it's absolutely whack that you can be like, like, you're not even sober living because you're not like, at, at least as you, you're not like an alcoholic or like a previous, like you're not even doing sober living because like, you're just like, this is my, this is just a choice for like, whatever reasons I think it's fascinating um and I yeah it's fascinating I'll never fully understand everything all the ins and outs but every once in a while I feel like Alina will hit me with a grenade text out of nowhere just bombing straight edge culture <laughs> as it as it's meant to be just a ruthless takedown of this thing with like hey like this is pretty cool and Alina's like actually it fucking sucks uh and here's why I I was living with a kid for a little bit who, uh, <laughs> like, we were we were very good friends when we moved in, but then we had a third roommate who I didn't know very well, and when he introduced me to the third roommate, he was like, yeah, Case is sober, and I realized that had a really weird connotation to it of, like, I'm in recovery. Yes. I'm like, no, I'm just, like, a dork. Like, it's, that's all it is. <laughs> like, you don't, like, because everybody was like, do, do I, like, is it cool if like I like have a beer every once in a while? I was like, oh no, I'm not tempted. I'm just like bored. Like it's <laughs> it's totally it's just a cool. choice. Yeah, no, it's like <laughs> this was like I chose to do this, believe it or not. Uh, and it it weirdly uh, confuses a lot of people. And I always I always enjoy your commentary on straight edge culture. But uh, with that in mind, I I do think wasted, you know, is just it's just a good it's a good song because this album is very simple rock and roll music there's not a ton of defining characteristics to it you can listen to a lot of this album go and go like that's a pretty good song and i think wasted is at at the top of that list for me i have a vivid memory of making you listen to this album i'm sure um in high school and you uh you texted me one night saying something about Wasted. And it wasn't necessarily like a song that put you in the mood, but it was a song that just, <laughs> something about just I would like, say there's a sensual element to it. Yeah, I, for sure. Um, I know you're tight, black lights, uh, black, black tights, and and what is it, something about leather? Drunken well, summer yeah. nights, black ice <laughs> on the road on a drunken summer night, yeah. Well, it's, it's, not, it's not my thing, pretty. but it sounds nice, yeah, it's, yeah I can, I can see nice. it. It sounds, yeah. you know, uh, a toxic to some extent, and I could, use, I could live a little bit. <laughs> but I knew that this was your favorite album, because I remember receiving, not thankfully, the exact specifics of the text that you sent me about this song, but just that it was there and that's been in my brain most most times that I listen to this song actually I'm like oh case case can get down on this one <laughs> and that's kind of my connotation for it 
terrifying to think of just all of the deep, deep caseload lore that you have stored away in your memory, stuff that so just much. will keep me up at night now that I think about it, of the just the dirt you have on me. I will say this album peaks with Wasted, and unfortunately, I think we take a very sharp decline with what follows with Cold Love. I tried with this song, really, because I took my time with this album this week, because it was fun to listen to, because it just kind of reminded me of you, and it just reminded me of just like a very simpler time in my life. And then Cold Love would come on. I was like, nah, this song is not not doing it for me. Am I am I incorrect in that assessment, or are you in agreement with that this is kind of one of the weaker songs on the album? I think that this, I feel like um, if I were to look up the lyrics right now, <laughs> which is not something that, that I will do, um, but I, I feel like it's a song that it is definitely on the lower side of the album. I think my favorite part is at the very end of it. Um, when it's just, it's like completely cut and dry and it's just all of them singing together. Um, and I think that that's the best part of the song, unfortunately, is the very end. But I might think that because I have a vivid memory. Everywhere I go, I'm just gonna show people my this album, I guess. Cause my freshman year of college, I remember sitting in someone's house and um, freshman year of college, I smoked a lot of weed as, I'm sure you know, um, but <laughs> um, I was getting updates constantly. <laughs> I've stopped that actually too, so that's a fun little. But <laughs> well, you gotta be able to. Story. You gotta be able to breathe somehow. <laughs> um, but I remember that I'm sure that we were both high, and that small section came on, and he's just sitting on the couch, and he's like, "Whoa, that sounded really good." And <laughs> the memory that I attached to that song at the moment <laughs> it's just that like I don't know 20 second snippet at the end but I do agree that it's it's the lowest song on the album that you would like to hear played at a bar apparently <laughs> it's it's again if I if I showed up to a place that these dudes were there I'd be like this is awesome I can't believe this band is so good I think they work in that context what you just shared is interesting for a number of reasons. One, maybe it's just, you know, me and my exes that just didn't understand the complexity of the end of the song. Uh, I feel like this band is at their best when they are playing stuff loud, when they're a little bit more aggressive. And obviously you could say, well, Case, that's just what you like in music. I think that's true to some extent. Uh, last week we were talking about an album where I really like the pretty songs on it. This, this is a band I am not crazy about when they get a little soft, when they get a little, a little acoustic, when they do some acapella stuff. And I think that kind of plays into Lady Lie, which is what follows where it's not, it's not a bad song by any means. I think it's one that you actually really like, but for me, it was uh, more on the softer side of things. And I think this is a band that if they just played stuff loud and they played stuff a little bit faster, I think I would be a little bit more into it. agree and seeing them live I think that was that is a reason why I like them more probably it's because I have that because they're they're fun to see live um I think the one thing that's I don't even know if it's fun it might just be funny to me it's it's interesting is the way that the lead singer does these little like inflections of like whoop <laughs> he does a lot in lady Lie. 
and I'm just like, how do you, how do you do that so successfully? So that's, it's just the vocals, but it's the most fascinating part to me. I'd like to do your examples. I'd like to hear your example of that as well. But he does a little whoop, like one of those. <laughs> he just like dips his voice and brings it back up so smoothly. Like it's, that's, it's a lot on Lady Lies. That's where I was going with that, but. You know what? Now that you say it, you're not wrong. There is a lot of that in this song. And it's, it, it, I think it's a song that I actually have in my notes here. I think this would be, a fun song to see live. I could see uh, people getting really into it in almost a communal aspect, whereas me sitting in, in my apartment alone, I was like, yeah, it's uh, play it, play it louder, give me some energy. But I could see this being a good communal setting song. Yeah, I think I think that I mean, as most artists do, is like the energy of a communal setting and a concert setting is just they're very jumpy. They're more jumpy than you'd think they would be. There's a lot of like. Uh, the lead singer often does not wear a shirt and he is bald and has a really long beard, which I just think is a fun little combination. Pretty quirky. Um, <laughs> and there's just, there's a lot of jumping and like, it's sweaty, but like the fun kind of sweaty where it's like, you don't immediately wish you could go home and take a shower because you're having a good time. Uh, and like that's kind of like, they're just good live with some of the songs that like seem softer, they change up when they're live and I think that's what it was meant to be instead of what it is on the album. What a fascinating way to describe this band and something that I really can't argue with. I think you hit the nail <laughs> on the head there. As we move into kind of the second half of the record here, American Shoes is a song that I want to like, but a song that I don't understand. It's like a perfectly inoffensive song. I would definitely have it in the upper echelon of stuff on this album. But the line of, uh, where is it? Uh, uh, but I love, you like the kids love, love throwing bottles off the bridge and breaking into your trade, your fix for American shoes. I don't, I don't know what they're talking about because it feels like this song should be taking place in like a Soviet Union backdrop, I guess. But they're just from North Carolina. Like, I feel like I'm missing some context here. The beauty of it is that you'd really like it if you just sat and listened and never looked up the lyrics. <laughs> Maybe this is my key to liking this band is what I'm realizing because I know the words and I sing along to them, but I've never, not never, but I hardly go more than surface level with a lot of their songs. I just like how it sounds and I like the way that they put everything together. I love this song yeah. um, purely for how it's put together and how it sounds to me. And there's maybe it's subconscious but there's a certain it's in this latter half of the album and it starts with American Shoes that kind of just tugs at my heart a little bit and I have no idea why and it's that's also another reason that I enjoy it is that it is an emotional as well as like a mental reaction of like enjoyment but it's like brings complexities of emotion for me without well, even knowing the lyrics so I, I think you hit on something there as it pertains specifically to you and me, uh, especially American Shoes and especially what follows in Cocaine Jesus, which is my nickname. Uh, <laughs> two songs that it was like more so than anything on the album, like, holy shit. Like for me, it was, I hadn't heard these songs in so long because if I go to my Spotify playlist 
and I look at my Spotify curated songs, my top songs of 2016, I'm going to hit you with a, a little sandwich of songs here. Uh, it starts with Bad Kids by Black Lips, yep. and then Forest Fire by AJJ, and then The Beers <laughs> by The Front Bottoms, <laughs> and then Cocaine Jesus by Rainbow Kitten Surprise, and then after that, Spaghetti by The Wave Pictures, and I'm Not Crying, You're Not Crying, Are You by Deer in the Headlights. And it's just like, oh, this was my summer, like, 2016. This is exactly I what I was listening to. <laughs> yep. Deer in the Headlights, real quick, brief aside there. Oh, good. So, like, so good. And I have to give you 100% of the credit for introducing me to that. That was a band that mm-hmm. I definitely definitely characterizes like oh that's one of Alina's bands and about a year ago when I when I went home at the start of COVID I read a retrospective article on Deer in the Headlights and I was like I wonder if these guys are still any good turns out very good yeah I, it's one of those bands where you listen to one song it's like everything that they do is just it's gonna be good you know it as for Cocaine Jesus I feel like this is kind of the defining song on the record. Like if you're if you're going to get this band at all, it's going to start with this song and then you can kind of work your way outwards from there. When you find an old picture of us, you clear away the dust. I hope you miss me sometimes. When you see a frame that reminds you of me, to remember the times, the times that we believe. Is this your favorite song on the album? I think it is a tie between it's these three. It's Cocaine Jesus, Bare Bones, and then um, what's after that? Good Night Chicago. Uh, Good Night Chicago. Um, and I think for some reason that those, those are in a tie, but Cocaine Jesus, I think, was because this was the album we discovered, and that was the one that at least when the three of us were all together that's the one that was just like beamed I remember Amina just like not even referencing the song just throwing out the name cocaine like it's got a name and a weight to it too (laughs) so it's just I do I do think that that is probably the best on their album objectively but it's a tie for me for sure Amina, who I miss dearly, uh, who is not not on this podcast, but we're talking plenty about her, pretty much just like if you copied Alina's DNA and just made another human that was a little more shy and a little more awkward, I think that's what we're looking at when we describe Amina just to paint a picture. But she not only uh, had this this just throwing out the term cocaine Jesus all the time, (laughs) also to this day, my best of modern baseball playlist is called Apple Cider Guys because that is the only way that she would refer to this band. She knew the song Apple Cider, I Don't Mind. She knew that we liked that song. But instead of calling the modern baseball, they were just the Apple Cider Guys to her. And that is how they've remained in my Spotify library ever since. Oh, God, I totally forgot about the The only thing that you miss is that her ability to fall asleep anywhere was, is not something I possess. It's just incredible to me. I think that is a, a phenomenal way uh, of not only describing this song, which I think you kind of hit the nail on the head here. There's a weight to this song that I think is very interesting. It's one that, again, even if it skews perhaps, again, a little more groovy or bluesy or just more bare bones rock and roll than what you would typically listen to, I think it's a very good song. I think it's one of the high points on the album. 
And it's amazing going from a song with so much weight because it's a little bit louder, a little bit faster to something like Bare Bones, which I described as a Shaky Graves tribute act. <laughs> um, before we get to Bare Bones, do you like Shaky Graves is something that I need to know for myself. So How do you feel about that man? He's very sweaty. So and I know he's, he's like... very sweaty. As I quickly scramble to the Shaky Graves Spotify page because I want to make sure that I get this right. Shaky Graves had an audio tree session in yes. 2013 that I remember, one, I remember you being really into it and it. <laughs> watching this audio tree session many times with you it. and thinking like, yeah, this is, this is very good. He is someone that creates music that I, I simultaneously think is very good and I also rarely have any desire to listen to it, but I have no issue with him as an artist. I respect that fully. That makes a lot of sense to me. Okay, thank you. (laughs) So bare bones. (laughs) Um, That, so putting, we need the context again to understand why this song is just, the song that I love so deeply is 2015, 16, mentally ill Alina who cannot drive her own car. So can't have like the catharsis of like, just driving and listening to music and like screaming and crying and doing whatever. And just, I'm just I don't, young. <laughs> I don't have that catharsis available to me at the time. So this song, I just would put my headphones in and just let myself cry if I needed to. And if I didn't, I would just sit there and like, that was one song where you just like close your eyes and enjoy it. And for some reason, this like the softness and the gentleness and like the sadness of it was all very cathartic for me at the time. And I still find it a comfort song even when I don't experience the same feelings that I had before. I think that's a great thing to contextualize on this show is, yeah, like I've been talking the entire episode about how it reminds me of this time period, it reminds me of this time period. It's also great, uh, at least for me, and, and you can probably speak to this to some extent of going like, it's great to remember this time period and to not be locked into it, to realize that you've grown as a person, grown emotionally, whatever. It's a, it's, it was a very good feeling for me kind of listening to it and being able to firmly say that this is something that is in the rear view of my life at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I think it's funny that your music taste has shifted, not drastically, but it's definitely moved to a new realm realm (laughs) exactly (laughs) it's in a new realm and I still find myself like loving with the same heart the things that I loved back then um and I I don't even feel like I've shifted to a new realm I just kind of like jump in between the things that I loved and still love and the things that I'm newfoundly loving so I I think this is for whatever reason just an album that got left in the dust because I mean, you know, look, uh, we were stuck on the show last week. Uh, my guest last week was talking about how she was like, yeah, I was like 15 and I really liked the front bottoms. So, like, I obviously don't listen to them anymore, but like that was the time in my life. I was like, oh no, that's cool. Like they're like my favorite band, but like, no, like I can like eat shit. Like that's fine. Uh, but obviously them or I still champion modern baseball very much. I've been going through a whole thing recently of rediscovering the band Captain Were Sinking, who was like a band that I got really into my junior year and then didn't listen to them for about four years. It turns out very good band. Uh, and they're still they're still very good. I wish they would uh, put out another album, but they are broken up. What can you do? But yeah, it's it's just strange. I, I feel like 
one of the last times that I remember really listening to this band was listening to Goodnight Chicago just because it had Chicago in the name and I remember being a senior in high school and be like I'm about to move to the big city and I'm very scared <laughs> but I'm excited and like what am I gonna what what's Chicago gonna be like I'm so scared and then I was like oh no it's just like a they just like have trains here it's very cool it's a, it's a very good city uh, but but Goodnight Chicago is a song that I feel like I hadn't heard probably my freshman year of college like that was the last time that I had voluntarily put this song on before now now I sit here a senior in college uh, very much ready to graduate and I found on one hand solace in Goodnight Chicago of like hey this is like a cool mind off kind of if I just listen to the words and don't think much of it it's a very very nice song and one that I can very much get down to and then you start to dive in just a little bit and I was going like, man, this song is corny as hell. Like, I, <laughs> like, what, what is this? I killed a man to make you love me. That sounds very toxic. Oh, very toxic. Um, <laughs> very toxic. And I think that this is one of these bands where like every single line is like, there's nothing other than the, at least that I know outright, the song Hide is like very, like, there's no metaphor assembly entrenched in that song. Like that's a very real thing. And I know that's the art of making music is like lyrical poetry and all that, but like, this yada, is just yada, like, yada, all that bullshit. <laughs> exactly. And I, I have a bachelor of arts in English and it's still bullshit to me. But this is one of those songs where it's like, just every single line is just like, that would never happen. Like, obviously, <laughs> this whole thing is a reach. I'm bumping on this a little bit. I have some issues with this story. <laughs> deeply entrenched in, like, simile and metaphor and, like, symbolism and imagery. And it's just, like, I, 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 once you figure that out, you just gotta, like, sit down and, like, just turn it up and, like, really listen to the beat and all that good stuff. And then you're good to go. <laughs> I've said before on this show many times, I think for an album to be truly great, you need a definable three-song stretch. You need a back-to-back-to-back of like, oh my God, these songs are unbelievable. For you, that Cocaine Jesus, Bare Bones, Goodnight Chicago trio, would you lump that in as like the best three songs back-to-back-to-back on this record? Back-to-back-to-back for me, yes, but I think not just musically or lyrically, like holding like the weight of it too yes yeah absolutely well with that in mind we've got two songs on the album left that i think we can kind of lump in with one another and i'll give you a chance to speak on both at the same time all's well that ends well and the come down i think both are really good concluding tracks it's a nice synopsis of what this album represents i don't think either two are particularly strong but i don't think they're wasted on this album. I think it's a, uh, it's like a the, a good chapter of uh, a good final chapter of a good book where it's like, yep, yeah, okay, and we've concluded, and I can shut the book now. And this was an enjoyable read. And thank you very much, Rainbow Kitten Surprise, for entertaining me for these forty five minutes. Uh, <laughs> anything you want to say on these last two songs? Honestly, you kind of hit the nail on the head. It's satisfying, and even like pairing the thought of the end of the album with the actual name of the songs, it's satisfying. Um, they're fine songs. That's that's basically it. There's nothing extremely outrightly special, and there's nothing bad about it. So it's just a good closure. 
Let me ask you this, as we have now broken down every song on RKS, Rainbow Ken Surprise, which like I said, is 11 songs and 40 minutes. Do you think there's one defining emotion that kind of strings this album together? And, and I, don't, I don't have an answer, I don't know, uh, I, but I, I, I felt like, you know, this is an album again, cloaked in metaphor and simile, and it's going in this place, and then it's going in this place, and then it's, it's bouncing all around. Do you feel like there's one defining emotion that you can kind of really describe this album with in, in one word or in a sentence or just shortly, what is the overall tone of this record? I feel like from maybe just below a surface level, it feels like there's just a lot of like unresolved longing, not necessarily for like a physical being or something, but just something that's missing, like some longing for maybe something that you don't, a solace that hasn't been found or something that you're not sure what's missing, but it is. That's I think, how I feel. I, I think that's very fair. That is the album. Normally at this point in the show, I would let you know what critics thought of this album. I would give you <laughs> some ratings out of 10. I would give you a review and a nice line that I thought was clever. But this is one of those albums that we've had a few of these on the show. Just no critical commentary exists of this record. It's like you type in this band and even with the album name, it's like, hey, they were really good live. You got to see this band live. Just no, no recollection or no memory or no documentation, rather, of this album existing in any form of review. So, Alina, I give you uh, the ultimate power to, if you had to rate this album out of 10, what number are we giving it? And be as objective as you want. Put all of your emotional turmoil into this record. <laughs> out of 10, what are we giving RKS? Oh, um, do we have to do whole numbers? No, by okay. all means, do a freaking decimal. <laughs> You know me in math. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I think for how much I love it, I want to go like higher than what it is. Probably like anywhere between like a 6.8 and a 7.2 for me. That's how I feel about it. I think that's very fair. I think that's a good <laughs> way of looking at it. I think I'm roughly in the same boat. My final question for you before we go, Alina, when it comes to your Rainbow Kitten Surprises, RKS, who needs to hear this album and why? Oh, who needs to hear it? Um, you know, a lot of, <laughs> um, I would say, this is going to make no sense. Or it's going to make the most sense in the world, but people like my father, <laughs> my, my dad, it's, <laughs> 54 and just the best man in the world and I just think that they wouldn't have to go any deeper than the surface level and they could just be alone for the ride and it would just maybe widen their fan base a little bit and make the fan base even more indistinguishable um and it just yeah shout out Brad shout out Yana Rainbow Ken Surprise a fascinating band. I have no idea who listens to them. I have no idea who this nope. music is for, but I kind of, I kind of like it. I think there are some songs where I'm like, this is just a really good song. And it's again, it, it's, I've certainly drifted away from, I think this style of a lot of things, but there is an undeniable greatness to a lot of this record that I really enjoyed. Alina, thank you for coming on the podcast. 
is there anything you would like to plug? Would you like to be found on the internet or would you like to remain uh, a ghost in the night, someone that can't be found? I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I need no more internet, no more perceiving than I already have. Well, I'm on both Twitter and Instagram at underscore case low, C-A-S-E-L-O-W-E. The podcast itself, if you want updates on the show, but not updates on my life, even though the show, it comes out every Thursday and you can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. But if you want updates on the show, at our school albums on Instagram. That is the domain that you're looking for. Alina, thank you for joining me. This has been Rainbow Ken Surprises RKS, and this has been the Art School Albums Podcast. Mm-hmm.